0: petersfield's shine radio shine radios growing together with claire venice and steve amos is sponsored by DeMello and company financial advice for you your family and your future hello and thanks for joining us in growing together the gardening podcast from petersfield shine radio i'm claire venice and i'm joined as always by the wonderful steve amos
1: wonderful i like that thanks claire good morning (laughs)
0: hello steve how are you
1: a bit muddy already
0: (laughs) Even just walking down here, splatted up our trousers. And
1: I I think I say it every year, but I think rice is on the cards for next year. The paddy fields, it's so wet, isn't it?
0: Good idea. Oh, man. You might succeed with that.
1: I think I might, yeah. I don't think there's any categories in the steep flower show for rice, though. But (laughs) I'm on the committee, maybe I could have some influence.
0: Next year could be the year. (laughs) Yeah, it's a wet and soggy allotment, isn't it?
1: It really is. We've been here half an hour. I've moved a barrel load of manure. And it got bogged down, as you saw me, (laughs) blowing like a steam train. It's hard work pushing that, I tell you.
0: Well, you had five bags in your
1: wheelbarrow.
0: (laughs) Very optimistic, Steve.
1: Go go big or go home, I say. I've got 20 to move. The fewer runs you do, the less you do, don't you? But... I think there's method in my madness somewhere, but <laughs> I've just spoken to my mate, Coxy. He said, you're a fool, Amos, eh, you're a fool. He said, we were moving two at a time. I said, I'll be there forever, I've got 20 bags to move.
0: So you're gonna put those on on your beds?
1: Yeah, you know, we got a, a really good deal from the compost centre over near Guildford. It's all heat treated as well, so there's no seeds in it. And I think getting farm manure is great. It's a really economical way of doing it, but you just get all the weeds as well. So a bit of a change. Good to try it. Yeah, exactly, good to try it. exactly. exactly. <laughs>
0: joining us in this very special december episode we have ben pope's working garden diary and we also have nick rook blackstone from wild's christmas tree farm excellent that was important really
1: absolutely why not it's the right time of year for christmas trees isn't it it is are you a real christmas tree or a an artificial one
0: i'm a real christmas tree person i am i love the smell it's a tradition really isn't it Mm. the the traditions over christmas time and and one of ours is to get a a real christmas tree how about you
1: well when we lived in the vicarage we had the perfect place for a big tree a good good eight foot tree staircase the hallway was just made for a big tree and I priced up a big real Christmas tree and was like oh my goodness so I went artificial got a really nice one looks very real honestly it really does so I went with that used that for two years at the um the vicarage and then <laughs> measured the ceiling in my my house now I thought like, ah maybe it won't fit looked at it decided if we just bent over the top and sort of tucked it under we could use one of the other branches as the the top of the tree <laughs> and it fits perfectly. <laughs> I
0: thought you were gonna say you cut the bottom off. <laughs> well I was going to. I had the
1: hacksaw all ready to cut the bottom of the tree off so it would fit in. It was only six inches out but yeah it worked brilliant yeah, that's that really great. funny
0: yeah, so there is I mean there is an argument for both isn't there really it's being sustainable it's being eco-friendly it's being economic as well yeah. various different reasons I mean one year we bought a potted tree okay and this is something that Nick talks about having trees in pots you can bring in and out of the garden every year and also rental trees so you can rent oh, a rental tree, tree.
1: Mm. no way yeah wow okay never heard that one before
0: I think it's a tricky one to get around but he's thinking about it oh right okay so interesting oh, stuff. good on him So you mentioned that you've got your tree up. I also have a wreath on my door, which I made with the lovely Molly McMillan, who we featured in an early November Growing Together episode where she makes beautiful willow baskets. Oh, lovely. And so she also has willow workshops over the Christmas period as well as throughout the year. So I made this lovely willow wreath with Molly. You can
1: use that again. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I've got... An artificial wreath as well. However, I put real stuff in it, so I've put holly and pine cones and dried orange bits in it, and a few baubles and stuff like that. It looks really nice. Lovely. That's this weekend's job. Yeah. I was
0: wondering if you're going to put a few dried dahlia heads or some <laughs> dahlias <laughs> or
1: something in it. You decorate it with dahlia tubers. <laughs> they look a bit wrong, though, don't they? The little dahlia tubers. Yeah, they
0: <laughs> Spray them gold or something. Yeah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? Interesting wreath. There, Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. <laughs> So what's new here down at the allotment? Last time we were down here was for the Petersfield Tree Festival.
1: It was, wasn't it? That was a good day, wasn't it? It was a yeah, good day. really good.
0: Lots of people around. Thank goodness it was good weather, which mm. I think helped. Well, I believe there were plans to have a golden orchard dinner and a family apple tree to remember a local gentleman who was rather fond of the community garden.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And hopefully we'll be talking more to Ian Turner from the Tree Council in next year's episode. Catch mm. up what they're doing for their 50th anniversary. Well, let's catch up with Ben Pope and the Working Garden Diary for this December edition with lots of Christmas cheer at the private garden that he tends so lovingly. Hello, Ben. Hello, Claire. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
2: Yeah, good, good. Managing to keep warm, you know, moving about a lot.
0: <laughs> well, you are bundled up, quite rightly.
2: That's it. You've got, you've got to dress for these seasons. So, yeah, many layers and warm hats.
0: Well, we are sitting outside in our usual spot because it's such a beautiful, beautiful day. It's calm. It's still. It's cold. It's very cold. It's very
2: cold, isn't it? But you're <laughs> right.
0: But it's beautiful. And you can actually see the garden now things have died back and the leaves have fallen off the trees so you can actually see the structure you the really
2: garden. can yeah in winter you know when, when those big shapes of trees suddenly get reduced to skeletons and, and and the space feels so much bigger and you're right you can just see these views that you can't the rest of the year so it's it changes completely but it's, it's absolutely magical
0: it really is, and, and actually I can see, I hadn't noticed before, that you have loads of lovely step-over
2: Indeed, trees. yeah, all around the vegetable beds, step-over apple trees. So they're about a foot and a half high, and they're grown horizontally and trained. Some are pruned to keep small but then we do go through the winter and we'll thin some of the spurs and get them nice and tight back to their main framework. But they're absolutely beautiful. You're right, they look like a green hedge the rest of the year, or well, until they're in blossom or holding fruit. But um yeah, they, they look extra
0: special, I think, now. They really do, and they're quite established. How old are they?
2: Yeah, they're about fourteen years old now. And I suppose they were bought in as two years, because you often buy stepovers now that have been trained and they may be one or two years old when you buy them from the nursery. So they're probably actually more like sixteen years old.
0: And do you still get quite a lot of fruit from them? Because if there's just basically one branch that's going out along do you get much fruit from
2: you them? do you do you get masses because it's all about encouraging these kind of twiggy fruiting spurs and you do that with your normal fruit trees when you're pruning your apples or your pears so it's exactly the same but by pruning in the summer You're taking a lot of the vigour away, which keeps them nice and small, which makes them branch even more. And then that's when you start establishing those lovely fruiting spurs. But yeah, I mean, blossom time is an absolute joy. And then, of course, you get lots of fruit too. So it's great.
0: Extra bonuses there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So what have you been doing in the garden since we last spoke to you?
2: First of all, it was trying to keep dry (laughs) because it's been a bit wet. But then also, you know, trying to keep warm this time of year usually i'd be saving the lifting and dividing till later but again these these hot summers that we're having we're doing a lot now so we've tackled a lot of lifting and dividing you know shuffling plants around in borders changing where there were gaps or where we didn't think it was quite working The other thing is planting lots of bulbs, getting those in the ground now, and then starting to tidy up. I hate the idea of putting the garden to bed, but definitely tidying up. So leaf clearing, would you be surprised? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And collecting all of those for leaf mould, which I've spoken about before. But then also starting to cut back other herbaceous that's gone a bit soggy and mushy, thinking about, okay, what do we need to prune, getting that into plant, and then even doing a bit of mulching, you know, because we've had a few frosts, but it's cold today. But actually, the ground itself isn't really, really frozen, and we're on a light soil, so we can actually mulch this side of winter as well. So doing a bit of that, so all sorts.
0: Keeping yourself warm. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, and when it's
2: too cold and miserable, we'll go in the greenhouse. and, And in there, we've been forcing bulbs for Christmas and after, paper whites and amaryllis we've got going on there, prepared hyacinths you know and then other bulbs mascaris and that that would be normally in the spring we've just brought them indoors as well so hopefully january february they'll they'll kind of be looking quite nice to just bring into the house and get a little bit of extra early joy too
0: so your greenhouses i imagine are getting quite full now. Have you been planting or sowing anything in the greenhouse in preparation for next year?
2: Yes, yes. So we've got sweet peas on the go and we've pinched those out and they'll be our first lot early for next year. We'll also do another sowing next year. If you've got a very heavy soil, you can even start off, you know, onions and broad beans in trays now if you want. But I tend to leave those till the spring. We do peas as shoots, you know, for salad. So we'll pop in peas into a little two-litre pot of compost, and it's amazing, you can cut them two or three times. Nothing quite like that fresh salady taste in January, February, when your body's almost craving a vitamin C, I suppose, after Christmas and <laughs> New Year, you know? So actually, just some freshness to, to add to, to a nice sort of salad is, is really, really good. So we're doing that with mustards and cut and come. We can still sow those. But everything else, it sort of has slowed down now, I suppose, and we'll be waiting tell you know January when the day length starts to increase end of January we'll perhaps start to sow some of our chilies
0: yes of course
2: yes good to
0: get ready for those
2: exactly that and because we grow some tomatoes as well indoors we can do an early crop of tomatoes and we'll start sowing those but of course you don't want to sow too early for most things because you'll just end up with etiolated stretched seedlings that struggle so it often is good to wait unless you've got a greenhouse and perhaps some sort of supplementary lighting that can really help those plants come on. But yeah, chilies is one that always works, whether or not you have, you can do those on the window sill, sort of end of January time because they take a long time, a long season.
0: Do you use grow lights here or, or heated propagators?
2: We don't but we're actually going to get some grow lights this year because they've come down in price quite a bit, it's quite amazing. So for not too much money you can get a little tiny domestic setup, and that will help a lot. I mean they even, I've seen them advertise for growing herbs, you know, indoors all year around the satisfaction of growing your own herbs and then you add that to a meal it makes a huge difference fresh herbs we've cut the last of our mint and aloysia trifilla which is lemon verbena and i've dried that and made a tea out of it oh it's amazing yeah, mm. so thirst quenching after a meal and, and in fact just before bed makes me feel like I'm doing something good for my body <laughs>
0: <laughs> well talking of thirst quenching Ben has been very generous in offering a nice little tipple of English slow gin as we record this episode it's Christmas time
2: <laughs> it is and you've got to keep warm so there we go
0: thank you very much cheers cheers Ben mm.
2: see see very good that is lovely (laughs) so
0: that says Wessex English slow gin
2: yes it is I mean ideally I'd usually like to make my own and I would have picked the slows you know August September time pricked them put them in gin with sugar and it's that lovely thing I leave them sort of hidden away in the dark somewhere turning it every now and then and now would be the critical time when you have to have a tasting, obviously, before <laughs> before Christmas <laughs> to make sure it's all good and then you'd strain it off. But yeah, this year I didn't have time, so if you haven't had time and you've missed it, it's still worth going out and getting a bottle, I think, because there's nothing quite like slow gym for Christmas.
0: Yeah, and to warm your fingers and your toes yes, <laughs> in yeah, the garden. Yes, indeed. Well, something else that was happening here as I arrived was that you've got lights going up the pathways. The lights are being looked at. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah, they've been in for a while and they're just being looked at and fixed. But yeah, lighting is a wonderful wonderful thing and even if it's just subtle just has to be a few to enjoy the garden at this time of year you can get those plug and play ones or even some of the effective solar panel ones it's always quite a nice thing I think to decorate the garden for Christmas with a few led lights if we were to just go out in the garden during the daylight hours in winter there wouldn't be much time would there (laughs) so actually having a few lights gives you an excuse to take your slow gin outside Admire the lights, admire the structure and, and just enjoy that moment as well before going back indoors.
0: Good excuse to go out into the garden.
2: Yes, Good definitely. Excuse.
0: Well, it is coming up to Christmas time. Are there any gardening Christmas wishes that you have this year?
2: Oh, Just for a really successful year next year, I suppose, I'm going to really focus on veg. I'd like to have a a really good summer because we've had a bit of a wet, soggy one. Personally, I've always got a list of gardening books that I'd like. Maybe more time to read them and the ones I might be asking for for my Christmas list, I think. I'm I'm pretty content, to be honest. As long as I'm in the garden gardening, it fulfills a lot of what I want.
0: Do you find yourself over the Christmas holidays just popping out and, and doing a little bit here, there and
2: everywhere? Yeah, I'm a bit all or nothing. So I'll have a couple of days, you know, with the family, quite intense indoors partying. And I have to go for a walk, obviously, because I'll I'll need to get outside. But then after two days, I'm, I'm itching to get back and have, just check on the garden and have a look round and see, see things, you know. And I'll, I'll work for a few days in between Christmas and New I quite like that. And then, and then I'll have another bit of time off. It's so good just going outside when it is cold, getting that fresh air and then you come indoors and you can feel the rosy cheeks and you feel so much better for it. So whether it's a walk or getting in the garden, I I think it's an important thing.
0: Good advice. Now, you've been pruning. There are things to still do in the garden here this time of year that will keep things ticking over.
2: Yeah, there's lots to do. Pruning is a big one, and, and I would certainly be thinking, what can I prune and take indoors, you know? We're coming up to Christmas, so any of your evergreens is a lovely thing, whether it's your hollies, your winter box, your yonimus. Twigs are quite a remarkable thing. I mean, we're very lucky to have some old trees with lots of lichen. Those sort of sitting around your table with fairy lights through or in a hurricane lamp can look absolutely amazing amazing there's of course the rose hips a lot of the rose hips will persist on through so you can prune those and cut some of those bring those in and obviously start tidying up your roses because that's what we'll be doing now anyway so yeah there's lots and then things like i don't know if you've got a wildflower with teasels or some of the herbaceous plants there's Veronicastrums, some of the angelicas you know if you cut those now and bring them in just to dry and then i i quite like to do a little bit of a dusting of snow spray not too much because it can look a bit artificial but just a little it really shows off the shapes and the structures a bit like a frost would i suppose and, and and that can look really, really lovely in your garlands, your arrangements, your table decorations. Very nice. Do you make a wreath? We do. And, and it's always this thing of we're busy rushing around. And in fact, I was thinking about it this morning thinking, I need to get on and start the wreath for the main house. and I'll do one for myself. And it's like, try and change it and make it authentic and use a lot from the garden. And we'll start off with, um, we've got a load of lime trees that we plinch. So we'll use those twigs and to create a ring. And then from there, sometimes I've done it very simple with just a load of box. One year I did it with loads of teasels and had to use plasters on my fingers because they were so sharp. But, um, but this year I think we're going to go for a slightly kind of half naked wreath. So make the twigs part of the feature and then have various other bits. And I've seen some nice stuff with bracken and, and all sorts. So, yeah, still in the creative process, but it's definitely coming in the next few days, that's for sure.
0: That's fun, isn't it, actually? And and there are different styles. And I, you mm, mentioned yeah, about the, yeah. the sort of the half wreath. Exactly that. A lot of people are yeah, doing that
2: Yeah, this yeah, year. yeah, yeah. So, the, I mean, that's the lovely thing, isn't it? You can get really creative with it yourself. And, 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 you know, if you think, oh, gosh, I don't know what to do, get on social media or wherever. And, and there's so much inspiration out there. But it's good to have a go yourself, I think.
0: And there's loads of lovely seed heads, like you said, that you can Mm. add to it. And old man's beard.
2: Hey, that looks stunning. I've seen someone do a wreath, just that, and fairy lights. And it looks amazing.
0: Get creative. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Definitely. You're a slow gin, perhaps.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Always after a slow gin. Ben, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you this year for the Working Garden Diary. Thank you very much for the slow gin. Absolute pleasure. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Well it's good to have you with us Ben, and thanks so much for taking us on your growing journey over the autumn and the winter so far. Thanks for the Christmas cheer and we look forward to catching up with you again in January. Have you sown your sweet peas? Not yet. When are you going to do that? January. We're
1: going to do two lots, January and February see how we go.
0: And how about your shallots? You have a practice theory for when you sow shallots and when you, well, when you harvest them. Well tr-
1: traditionally you should sow a shallot on the shortest day of the year and harvest it on the longest day. I do cheat that by about six to eight weeks. So my shallots are in already they're all up in a cold greenhouse. Just keep the, the compost moist all in pots depending on the size of the shallots I'm growing. Little tiddly pickling shallots and then I bought some new stock of the havoc de Noir exhibition shallot. They're all in and up, as I say, in, in about six inch pots, filled with some compost, just keep them moist and just keep an eye on
0: them. I've done the same this year for the first time. Okay. I used to put my onion sets in and my garlics in, in the ground, yep. but because of the soil and, and with all the rain that we yeah, have been yeah. having, I thought they'd just get really soggy mm. and they wouldn't really survive. No. So actually I've done that as well okay. this year. Excellent. I've put them all in little individual pots yep. and they're in the greenhouse. Give yeah. them a good start, hopefully.
1: Well, exactly. The other thing to think about this time if you're is, is sowing your onion seeds, if you're growing from seed, which I do. Christmas week is when I sow them. Get out of the house, get into the greenhouse, blow some cobwebs away and get the uh, get the seeds planted. How
0: many yeah.
1: do you plant? Mm, probably about 100 seeds. Yeah. Not all of those will germinate. So you then get to about, probably about 80 or 90 plants. And then once you pop those on into the, the individual trays, I probably plant 60 in total.
0: Are they difficult to germinate, then, onion seeds? Uh,
1: No, not really. But this time of year, there's not much light. So the the pro growers are already doing it. They've sown them already. They're up. They're in individual pots. They're probably four to six inches tall already. But they use lights, and it takes a lot of money to, to get these lights going, and the heat that they need and stuff like that. So I just do it on a much smaller scale. But it works for me.
0: I'm not sure I'm going to be sowing 100, but I might try. Yeah, give it a go. I've give never go. grown
1: onions from seed before. Oh, you not? Know, it, it's really easy and it's really cool actually because they come up fairly quickly and then they go to what they call the, the hook or crook stage. So they come up straight and they've got like a little, I'm showing you, it's good radio this, <laughs> they've got a little hook and when they're at that stage really carefully take them out and put them in a, a 24 cell seed tray and grow them on from there. And then when they're a bit bigger, probably the second leaf, put them then in individual three inch pots and then again and again and again and again and by March, April time, they're ready to go and grow. I'll
0: give it a go. Here is there go. a particular variety that you would
1: recommend? The big onion I grow is usually Kelsey, the impressive one on the show bench. Really good eating, really sweet, lovely flavour for the Kelsey and fasto Vento and Toughball. A really good round brown onion, great for the show bench and really good eating. Store well as well. Thank you for there the you tips.
0: Go. Do you have any veg that you've grown that you'll be eating on Christmas day? Uh, no. No, you've eaten all your carrots.
1: The carrots are all gone, parsnips are all gone. Onions? I have onions. Yeah, Yeah, onions will go in the stuffing. Well, shallots, actually. Mm. But, um, no, that's it.
0: Don't grow any sprouts or anything like that? No,
1: no, gave gave up on brassicas years ago. Oh, yes, you did, didn't you? Yeah, too much hassle.
0: Does anyone here grow them? Have you seen them grow yes, them on the plot? Yeah. Lovely. yeah. Lovely. Oh my god, I have a nose at that. Don't have a nose. Well, I've grown some parsnips this year that I'm so excited about. They're looking pretty big in the ground. I haven't dug them out yet, and I'm a little nervous because the last year when I grew them, which was a couple of years ago now, they were really long. It took quite some pulling. What, really long. Yeah.
1: What? As long as mine?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: mine,
0: mine weren't in barrels. They were in the ground.
1: Sorry, that was mean
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not as long as yours, Steve. What? They were um quite a thing to dig up. So I'm not sure. Oh well, good luck. But I'm going to be doing that on Christmas Eve. Are you? Yeah, because then we can cook them fresh. For well, if Christmas they're that big, day.
1: you might want to start a few days earlier.
0: <laughs> <laughs> be like that that giant turnip. I'll have everybody pulling have behind me. Pulling, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It. Well, I'm looking forward to it because it's nothing quite like fresh veg. Exactly, good on you. Well I actually have already sown my sweet peas. I sowed my first lot going back a month or so now really yeah so they have grown and I am pinching the tops out because I really want the energy to go into the roots
1: are they in the greenhouse
0: they're in the greenhouse I mean I have had in the past sweet peas grow outside from seeds that have self-sown and actually survived the winter but I wouldn't want to risk it and like you I will be doing some successional sowing from Probably January onwards. Yep. Just nice to have that longevity of yes. the flowers throughout yep. the summer. Yeah, yeah.
1: And they're great inside because they just fill the house with that beautiful smell.
0: And I've gone for different colours this year. I've some really vibrant pinks and um, purples. I have usually go traditional, sort of the paley, pastel yeah, colours, yeah. but this year oh, I want some vibrant
1: Generally, the older the variety, the better the smell. That's what i found. You know, the heritage varieties have got an amazing smell.
0: Well, I'm not going to tell him, but I have bought my husband some heritage seeds
1: for Christmas. Does he know this? No,
0: he doesn't. <laughs> he won't until Christmas Day. Lucky him.
1: he will be delighted, I'm sure.
0: He is a massive tomato fan. Okay. And, uh, and chilli fan, actually. And so I've bought some seeds from Lucy Hutchins, who is known on Instagram as She Grows Veg.
1: Okay. She has
0: brought out a line of heritage seeds. Oh, okay. Beautiful, beautiful vegetables and fruit that she grows. And I thought, well, I'll give it a go. He loves the tomatoes. He leaves me to grow it.
1: So it sounds like a really good joint present.
0: Yes, maybe that's what <laughs> love he to I
1: was going to say, talking about joint presents, I went away this weekend, and we went to the Harold Hillier Gardens, and we went to their, their light-up display. It was fantastic, and it was quite a strong wind. The trees were moving, so all the lights on the trees just gave it a complete different dynamic. It was such a good vibe there. Quite busy, but really love it.
0: The light shows can be quite spectacular, mm. can't they? I have lights in the garden. Pretty much year round.
1: Do you? Yeah, yeah just yeah. to
0: give a little bit extra glow and warmth, particularly well, the, this time of year. The
1: uplit trees just were stunning. Just a bare tree with like a, a red or a blue, absolutely beautiful.
0: Well, they have that at Wild's Christmas Tree Farm. They started doing a, a light trail there as well, and they have a huge oak tree up on the hill, yeah. which they light up. Oh,
1: superb. It
0: does look magical. It amazing. So let's hear from Nick now and find out what's going on at Wild's Christmas Tree Farm. One of the busiest places to come to this time of year is Wild's Christmas Tree Farm in Liss Forest in Hampshire. And I'm joined now by owner and sometimes chief elf, Nick Rook Blackstone. Hello, Nick. Hi, Claire. Good to see you. Well, it's lovely. We are stood here amongst some of the Christmas trees that you grow here on the farm. How long has the farm been growing trees?
3: Well, we've been growing trees probably about 25 years. That's when we started. But in the last sort of 10 years that we've really sort of ramped it up and solely dedicated the farm to Christmas trees. And do you grow different varieties? Well, we've tried lots of different varieties over the years, but the main ones are the Nordman fir, Norway spruce, which used to be the traditional tree, but more and more people now grow up with the fir and think that's the traditional one. And blue spruce, we're very fond of. And then we've got a few Fraser fir and then subspecies of all the various different Nordmans and spruces so that we can try and gauge which subspecies grows the best on the farm.
0: That's interesting. So how long have you been experimenting with that?
3: Um, Well, every year. I mean, we'll adapt and try a different variety. Uh, Jura seems to be from the Norway Spruce, our preferred option at the moment, seems to do very well. And then um, some of the Norman varieties chop and change accordingly.
0: Why did you want to own, run, look after a Christmas tree farm, Nick?
3: I was working for a farm management company. I was on a farm near Dorking. I went over there to milk the cows and um, they had a pick your own. Uh, the grass is always greener the other side of the fence and the pit your own looked a whole lot more fun than milking cows at four o'clock in the morning and on the pit your own there were Christmas trees so I asked the farm management company if perhaps I could move across to the horticultural side which they agreed to and there I started managing the pit your own and part of that obviously was the Christmas trees and I got a huge amount of satisfaction for whatever reason out of growing Christmas trees and that was when um, the seed was sown, as it were. Uh, and although my dad was still farming here on a bit of the peripheral land, I grew a few Christmas trees on the weekends that I came home and planted them up. And then when he retired, that's when I did the organic veg and everything, and the trees were growing alongside that. And that's how it all began.
0: It grew from there?
3: Yes. So,
0: How many trees do you have here on the farm growing at the moment?
3: Uh, we say we have about 22,000, but... That sounds an awful lot, but actually some of them are really very small and some of them are quite large. So, um, you know, you look along the field and you think there can't be 22,000 there, but actually hidden away amongst the stinger nettles, there are the small ones.
0: Goodness me. And do you plant more each year then to replenish?
3: In the old days, yes. We are a little bit landlocked now. Unfortunately, I can't grow land and everything is planted up. And there are only so many trees you can plant per acre, which is about 4,000. So that's generally what we aim to plant every year. And if we can't plant them in the ground, we do an awful lot in pots. So we sort of get them established in the pots. And then whenever uh, a hole appears where we can sort of infill, that's what we do.
0: Are you finding there's a a change, though, in in what people want from a Christmas tree? Are people buying more in pots now than a tree for for one year? They're buying it to have a tree to bring in each year.
3: Yes. I mean, we're forever asked, have we got pot-grown trees? Rental trees is something we actually was one of the very first things we ever did. In fact, the big trees you see behind you were originally rental trees but uh, I didn't think it through at the time and you know we had 4,000 trees in pots that blew over every time the wind blew and I got pretty bored of picking them up so I then stuffed them in the ground but we are actually revisiting the rental side of things but it is incredibly difficult to manage because sometimes they come back with fake snow on them which is actually plastic and is really difficult to get off and actually stays within the tree pretty much for the entirety of its life you get others that don't get watered very well when they're in the house, so then they spend another two years in the sort of the sick bay before they're you know rentable again. So jury's out.
0: Now there are some lovely trees here that we're stood right next to at the moment, so people can come out and choose their tree. What advice do you give people when they take their freshly cut tree home? How can they look after them?
3: Well, there are a number of things. People do seem to get them earlier and earlier. My advice would be don't. But if you do. Don't necessarily put it in the house straight away. If a tree's cold, give it time to thaw out back to room temperature before you shove it straight in a house because otherwise you can have a bit of needle drop. You know, you can damage the tree. So that's the first thing. So that's if it's icy and cold, Don't necessarily rush to put it up. I would say leave it until the second week of December to put a tree up if you want it to look absolutely beautiful through Christmas. I I know people come here and they go, your tree was amazing, got it at the end of November and it was still looking good in May in the garden. You know, every tree is individual. They're not all the same. For whatever reason, some trees feel stress more than others. And one of the things we have found with mild autumns, trees don't senesce. Effectively, they don't go to sleep. The temperature encourages them to sort of to close everything down. All the cell structures begin to sort of slow up. Whereas if you bring it into the house, and some of these mild seasons that we're having, the trees are still warm and they're still thinking they're growing. So they'll want to take up more water, obviously. And they do find it quite a stressful environment, being in a hot house, when they haven't sort of senesced and closed down for the winter, as it were. So be aware of that. So if you're getting a tree very early it's under stress for longer. Now I always say to people if you bought a bunch of flowers at the beginning of November you'd be incredibly surprised if it still looked as good as it was the day you bought it at the end of the month. You're expecting a very large perishable product ultimately to look good. So although we 100% say a fresh cut tree is going to last the longest, there is a limit to how long trees will last and look good before they start to dry and curl and stuff like that. And sometimes the person that came up with the phrase the non-drop tree great marketing but the problem is now the very word non-drop there's an expectation this tree is not going to drop a single needle and we do get quite a lot of emails going my tree is beginning to drop needles and it's like well yeah they do but you know expectation versus being realistic about How long a tree will last
0: i think most people know that it's important to cut off a bit of the trunk before you do bring it inside so it brings up more water is is that the right thing to do
3: yes another interesting one this i mean obviously if it's fresh cut in the field no what tends to happen is the sap in the cambium layers of the tree seal over the bottom effectively and therefore you you don't get the water drawer up the tree we have found on pre-cut trees that are cut with shears So these are hydraulic shears. They crush the structure of the the tree. And those trees, we find, are more susceptible to not drawing water as trees that are cut with a chainsaw. So that's something to be aware of. Good to hear.
0: So after Christmas, which is something we don't want to think about right now, but after Christmas, what what do you recommend people could do with their Christmas tree?
3: I mean, we will gladly take them back. Oh, we ask people say just drop it at the end of the farm drive and then we'll shred them all up and turn them back into chippings so that's what we'll do i mean obviously the council i believe probably pick up trees um or you just take it down to the, the community tip where again they're all shredded and the cycle begins all over again.
0: So Christmas trees aren't just for Christmas for you then. How do you look after your trees throughout the year?
3: Well, pruning, which takes place early in the season. we control, vermin control. Everything has to be fenced. Deer are our biggest nemesis. Uh, they chew and love Christmas trees. Rabbits will eat the small trees. So those are the two sort of furry pests, as it were. And then they are plagued by aphids, mites. You name it, there are thousands of pests of Christmas trees.
0: And what do you have to do then to try and combat those pests?
3: Well, I mean, my organic roots will tell me I have fairly high thresholds when it comes to pests and generally speaking nature can take its course you will get a bit of damage you know aphid damage is is part of the course really if you're not going to spray them the damage is evident we do spray now occasionally if we have to i mean there's no point in losing your entire crop but our thresholds are very high and uh, generally speaking once you start spraying you do upset that equilibrium and you yeah you might kill one pest but then you open it up for a, another one to come in that's not being predated by the beneficials that have been killed off in the process.
0: And in regards to soil management for their health, what do you do year round?
3: It's tricky because unlike a a conventional crop um, where you've got a bare field or whatever it is at the end of the year and you can spread your muck out, we do apply a very specific fertiliser that's full of trace elements because the trees benefit from those trace elements and uh, that keeps the trees looking good keeps them green keeps them keeps them healthy but yeah our soil is fairly nutrient less being very acidic sand so we do have to sort of keep an eye on it but the trees generally speaking they'll they'll find what they require
0: so when's your favorite time of year being here with the trees year round is it december
3: i do enjoy december obviously because you know, all your hard work, hopefully you see the benefits of it. And I love the public. I love interacting with the public. I love seeing them enjoying the farm as much as I enjoy it. So that is very special. I do enjoy the summer too. I mean, the farm is a different place in the summer. It's very pretty. We put down wild meadow seed. All the seasons are magical. I mean, there's not really one that stands out above all the rest. But I do enjoy interaction with people.
0: What's your favourite
3: Christmas tree? Without a doubt, it's the blue spruce, the Colorado blue spruce, or pungens glauca. It's sharp as they come. You cannot turn your back on it. It will bite you. But the benefits are it smells amazing. They look stunning. They've just got this sort of almost Mediterranean blue if you've got the right lights on them. And very forgiving tree. You could forget to water it, and it will look the same in May. Brilliant. Now,
0: there's more things here than just Christmas trees at Wilds Farm, Nick. What else have you got on offer?
3: Well, we're adapting. We have to diversify. because Back in the bad old days of Covid, the farm very nearly didn't open one December uh, because we were in lockdown. And that's when we realised, oh, my goodness, all our eggs were in one basket. And it was a dicey moment. So on the back of that, we thought, you know what, we've got the buildings. Everyone loves the sort of the environment that we've created down here. So we've evolved and um we finally managed to get change of use so that we can do some events so We're looking at doing weddings, workshops. We've done Wim Hof. So we're just trying to think outside the box, do things differently. And then, of course, we do the Shakespeare Festival out here, close to where we're standing. And, yeah, we've got a few ideas up our sleeve. We want to keep the farm running and we want to use what we've got to the best of our ability.
0: Well, it's a pretty magical place here, Nick. Wishing you the best of Christmas seasons and a happy and healthy New Year.
3: And happy Christmas to you.
0: Last Christmas yep. we shared our Christmas gardening wishes and to keep the tradition going, we thought we'd, we'd do it again this year. Okay.
1: So I picked a high value item, mid-range and low value. What about yourself? same. So should we go low value first? Yes, okay. okay. What was your low value present?
0: My low value wish list, gardening present, is to find some decent plant labels okay. that are eco-friendly, yep. that you can write clearly on, Yep that don't disintegrate as the growing season goes on, because the wooden ones I've used in the past
1: do. They do.
0: And yeah, that don't cost the earth. Okay. It's really tricky. Yeah, yeah. But I would love some. Please Father Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) How about you?
1: So my low value item, I think I mentioned it last year actually, and I still haven't found it. A pair of gloves that are warm enough, waterproof, but still you've got the fine skills that you don't have to keep taking them off. You know, you can use your phone, you can tie a knot, I still haven't found them.
0: That's a tricky item it, it as well. It is a
1: tricky item, it really is, but it's got to be out there. Maybe we could start our own clothing line, <laughs> growing together gloves, and see if we can develop a glove. There's so many times, you know, you're in the wet and the cold. Last weekend, I was, I was digging up dahlias, and my hands were freezing from the like, second knuckle down. They were numb, and they're meant to be waterproof.
0: Cold, wet, muddy gloves are yep. not very nice. no. Nope. And I have to keep changing mine. So, yeah, once they get wet and soggy, yeah. I have to bring them inside, bung them on the radiator. And then they
1: stink the house Good gift. <laughs> good gift, Yeah, good gift, I yeah, think. yeah. Go on then, mid-range Okay,
0: then. mid-range. I would really like a good pair of gardening trousers. Oh. I've been gardening in jeans yeah. for years and years and years. Old, old jeans. and You know, they're comfy because they've been worn in, but then they have holes and then the holes get bigger. And I'm wearing a pair now that are probably a little bit obscene. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe you could wear them pole darking next yes. year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shouldn't be bending over
1: too much in them really.
0: So <laughs> I just would love a pair of gardening trousers that have decent pockets mm. and I have the knee protectors, and waterproof. Tick all those boxes that, yeah. that just you don't have to think about. You just get out and you can get mucky and it doesn't matter yeah. and they'll wear well. That's what I would love actually. Well I wear really walking often.
1: trousers. I've got them on now with the toughened knees, they're lightweight, they're shower proof, they dry really quickly. These are really good, but you can get this sort of thorn proof, you know, they're quite heavy duty trousers, but they're out there, they're definitely out there.
0: And how about you? What about your middle so, range?
1: Mid range. There's a really great tool out there on the market. It's out there. We don't need to develop it. Called a hori hori. Have you seen a hori hori? I
0: have, I have. So it's
1: like half knife, half trowel, gardening utility tool, and you could wear it, you know, on your belt. On the opposite side, we're both now very lucky to have uh, a pair of Felcos, don't we? You yes. bought yours at Hampton Court, didn't you? I did. So, Felcos on the right, Horry Horry on the left, I reckon.
0: <laughs> Proper cowboy Proper gardening. Proper cowboy
1: gardening. So, Horry Horry would be lovely. Very yeah.
0: good present idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. are great. I haven't got one, but I know people who have, mm. and they are really, really useful. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, good choice, Steve. I'm waiting to I'll wait mine. Till you hear my
1: top one. My top one's brilliant. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Do you want to go first?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saving it to last. <laughs> go on, what's yours?
0: It's a bit boring, potentially, Uh-oh. and they are quite expensive but I would love some sleepers okay. to do raised beds in the back garden and sleepers can add up they can get quite expensive yep. I don't know how you wrap them for Christmas mm. but I would love some sleepers so I can make some raised beds
1: well I, I got some sleepers for the garden up at Steep Marsh a few years ago and we got reclaimed oak sleepers weirdly from Poland oh my goodness good stuff amazing I can't remember how much we paid for them. Probably about 40 quid a sleeper. But they will literally last for 20 years. Easy. That's the thing. Yeah.
0: I think it is an expensive outlay initially. Yeah. But if they last, then mm. you can get a lot of growing out of them. Hence being on my
1: wish, wish, wish list. Yeah, I love definitely. It. I love it.
0: So, Steve, okay. the reveal.
1: So, mine. You know I love the allotment. and We've got a little barbecue there. Spend hours up here, cook a bit of tea, portable pizza oven. Oh. There's a couple on the market both really really good you can get a dual fuel one so you can add wood pellets or just plug it into the gas how
0: amazing though to have pizza on your allotment yeah. in the summer be Great, wouldn't it? you could just pick literally off your plots to add to the yeah, toppings exactly i like that idea i know he's gonna do it i can I see that <laughs> his that's a really wonderful christmas present i think it'd be great wouldn't it? i think it would yeah. be a brilliant brilliant
1: thing yeah. to do
0: nice choices
1: there we go oh, well one more thing one more thing hang on let me just pop into the shed I
0: do have a bit of something for you. Oh, you are sweet. Well, let me just
1: put some context to this before you open it, Claire. Okay. Um, Claire got a, a new phone a few months ago, which is massive, and she's got this little wind cover for it that doesn't fit, and it's now broken. <laughs> you know, we are a professional outfit here at uh, Shine Radio and growing together, so there's a bit of something in there. Open the bag and have a oh, look.
0: Oh, you are so sweet. That's very thoughtful of you. That's Honestly, all right. That's lovely. You didn't need to do that. I'm very excited that you have though.
1: It's <laughs> my first Christmas present. Oh, there you go. Look um, at that. Oh,
0: look at it. Oh, <laughs> an amazing windshield. Oh, a really giant, a giant super-duper, super-duper windshield, windshield. windshield fab. And it was sitting rather magnificently on top of oh, a very nice bottle of wine. There you
1: go. Thank you Happy very Christmas. much,
0: Steve. Thank you. That's all right, no problem. Well, since we are giving gifts... Uh-oh. I have a little thing.
1: And She um, disappears off into the shed.
0: But it felt appropriate.
1: Chocolate vegetables. What have we got in there? We've got sprouts, red cabbage... And something else. I'm not sure what that is. Parsnip? Possibly a squash.
0: Carrots? Don't know. But anyway,
1: chocolate veg. Go. Thank you very much. That's
0: all right. <laughs> <You're> very welcome. <laughs> well Steve, it's been quite a year for us. It's been awesome, together. hasn't it? Thank you to everybody that we've spoken to for the podcast this year. It's been brilliant getting out and about and, and meeting you all, and hopefully we'll be doing more of that next year. And next year, of course, we've got the seed swap, which is on Saturday, March the 9th. And also, Steve, you are Vice President of Petersfield and Bean. I know.
1: Exciting times. I'm sure we'll start thinking about that in the new year. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, we will be. Yeah.
0: Thank you also to Ben Pope and to Nick Rook-Blackstone in this episode. Wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a healthy and happy new year. We'll be back in mid-January, so do join us then. In the meantime, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at joinusandgrow at gmail.com, or you can say hi and follow us on Instagram at together underscore podcast. Happy Christmas and happy gardening. Growing Together is new twice a month and supported by DeMello & Company. Financial advice for you, your family, and your future. Get the latest editions of Growing Together at any time at shineradio.uk. Shine Radio is the home of doorstep carols in Petersfield.
1: I'm Geoff Lacey.
0: And I'm Claire Venice. We'll be bringing you Petersfield's favourite Christmas carols from our doorstep to yours. We all know the words, we all know the tunes. But if you don't know them, we've got the handy pull-out on the website, shineradio.uk. One of my favourite things this time of year, Joff, is singing carols. The first two words just get you in the mood, don't
1: they? Ding dong.
0: Doorstep carols. Sing along with the radio Wednesday night at
1: six.